0: Welcome to Watch Therefore. Our Savior Jesus told us to watch for His coming, and the signs that He spoke of are all around us, shouting, Watch Therefore and be ready. So join me, Dove Schwartz, as we learn to watch and prepare for the coming of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now today's program was recorded at Calvary Chapel Beth Shalom in Pearland. And I'd like to invite all of our listeners in the Houston area To join us at Calvary Chapel in Pearland, where the Bible is taught line upon line, chapter upon chapter, book upon book, where prayer is a priority and where fellowship is something we experience together as Jesus, our Savior, walks in our midst by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Ray Jensen is the new pastor at Calvary Chapel, Beth Shalom, and the Lord has raised him up to lead this congregation in this critical hour just before the coming of Messiah Jesus. Listen today, and we pray you're blessed.
1: And you shall take this rod in your hand, with which you shall do the signs. Now, when Moses suggested God get a replacement, what did God do? Boy, he got mad. Why did God get angry? Moses was speaking more out of disobedience than just fear. Now he had fear and disobedience running side by side. Did you know that when God tells you to do something and you don't do it, For one thing, for you it becomes sin, but sin angers God. I want to address all the people out there that say they're a Christian, but they won't do what God commands them to do. Perhaps the reason you've got so much mess going on in your life is because you refuse to do what God tells you to do. If you don't stand under an umbrella, what happens? You're going to get wet. I know some people that are out in the storm and they're wet. And why am I wet? I'm standing with an umbrella. Well, get under the umbrella. And they'll get under the umbrella in like five seconds. Well, I'm not dry yet, and they get mad and they leave and they go back out in the rain. Get under the will of God. And it may take a little bit of time. It may you gotta take a while to dry off. But he will dry you off. Those problems will come off. Give it time. But you gotta stay there. Do what God tells you to do. You may have every excuse in the book why it's okay. For you of all people do not have to obey God as though for some reason the entire fabric of the universe and all the governing powers of all that God rules over pertains to everything and everybody but you. This makes God angry. That's why it's best to repent of what God's word says is sin. Notice what I just said of what God's word says is sin. I don't play political correctness about all these fancy fads going out there that people say, well, that's not sin anymore. What God's Word says is sin is sin. To get rid of that stuff and get into obedience. Some people say, get under God's authority. Hey, you're under God's authority whether you obey Him or not. Did you know that? If you reject God and His way of salvation all the way to the point of your death then under his authority, you will be cast into into eternal condemnation for all eternity. However, as God is merciful and gracious, he offers a way to be saved from all of this through Jesus Christ. And so if you will leave your old life and come to Jesus and allow to be made new and follow Jesus in faith, then by God's authority, you will be given eternal life. If you're going to say you're a believer, get under God's will. You're already under his authority. Disobedience makes God angry. You don't want God's anger in your life. But check this out. Even though God was angry with Moses, he told Moses that he would still let his brother speak for him. What we see here is God still working for the salvation of his people, even though his people make him mad. Again, i got to cash in on this. Do you know that your sins have angered God? If you're afraid that you have made God mad, and if that scares you, I want to let you know right now, you can make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior tonight, and all of the sins that you will have ever committed will come off of you and go to Jesus Christ on the cross. All the wrath of God that should fall on you will instead fall upon Jesus Christ at the cross. That's how we are saved. That's why Jesus is the only way to the Father, to eternal life. And so like with Moses here, even though he had provoked God's anger, like we provoke God's anger with our sin, God still has a way to work in us. And why in the world would God do this for us? Because he loves you, pure and simple. Don't complicate it. God just loves you. And so, what's interesting here, God is still trying to encourage Moses and strip him of excuses by offering him a spokesman. So, in Exodus 4 and 18, so Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father in law, and said to him, Please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses and Midian, go return to Egypt for all the men who sought your life are dead. Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed I will kill your son, your firstborn. Wow, this is God? This Americanized God that we invented that loves everybody, know what they, no matter what they do, you don't have to repent, you don't have to change, you don't have to stop, you drop your sins, you can just keep being whoever you are, and I'll save you in a way because I just love you so much. Oh, and by the way, you don't have to serve or do anything. I just want to throw blessings and money all over you all the time. That's a false god. He does not exist. This God here is God. He said, "I will kill your son." Well, that don't sound right to me, Ray? Welcome to the Bible. But did you notice that even after all Moses' objections and excuses and his justifications and make somebody else do it, God is still encouraging him. He told him, all the people who sought your life are dead. (laughs) That's encouraging. That was one of his big reasons for not going back. Pharaoh is dead. The friends of the Egyptian that he killed are dead. Everybody's gone. God cleared the way out for Moses to have no excuses. When you decide to walk in God's will, he'll clear your path. Don't burden yourself with how you're going to do everything. That's God's job. Just do the part he told you to do. God took out all the guys that were after Moses. So now Moses just had to walk in and do what God told him to do. So Moses asked Jethro permission to return to Egypt. Now Moses regarded his father-in-law with respect. After all, he married his daughter... So it was only right for him to ask Jethro to leave, even though he had been ordered by God to go. Now, young people today, they really need to get a hold of this, what just happened here. They need to learn about respecting authority. Respect your elders, respect your parents. It's a godly thing to do so. Don't roll your eyes at them and stop thinking you know better than they do. They were here first. They're farther down the highway than you are. And they have given everything just to have you in their lives. So respect your parents and elders. 2 Timothy 3 says that in the last days, one of the signs that we are indeed in the last days is that children will be disobedient to their parents and disrespectful and dishonoring them. One of the Ten Commandments is honor your father and mother. You remember in the last chapter, I talked about how one of the ways that Israel is going to so easily walk into the promised land that God gave them is because of the Canaanite people who live there are under a curse to be subject to them walking in. When they walk in to take that promised land, it's full of Canaanites. How are they supposed to walk in so easy? The Canaanites are under a curse under Israel, all because of Noah. Noah was dishonored by his son, Ham. And that curse has been carried down a long way, all the way to the point point to where when the Israelites come in to take the land from Ham's descendants, which are the Canaanites, that they're just going to walk in and take it. So if you dishonor your parents, you're creating bigger problems than you can handle. Honor your parents. And Moses did this by asking Jethro if he could leave for Egypt as he was now walking in obedience to God. But then God told Moses more about his demonstration of God's power to Pharaoh. God said it would not do anything to persuade Pharaoh because God was going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, that does not sound fair. The thought of God hardening Pharaoh's heart seems to remove Pharaoh's free will. But we have to notice that God said, I will harden. Pharaoh already had a hard heart. That's one thing. He already had a hard, hardened heart. Pharaoh had already chosen on his own to have a hard heart towards Israel. But the question still hangs in the air Why would God harden Pharaoh's heart just so that he could judge Egypt more severely with more plagues that were coming? First of all, Pharaoh was not innocent, nor was he a godly man. He was a brutal dictator, and he himself pushed the abuse and the oppression. Of all the Israelites. we got to remember what kinds of people the Egyptians were at this time. The previous pharaoh ordered defenseless newborn males drowned in the river. And so this pharaoh that God hardened was an evil man. And the nation that he ruled agreed with all of his evil actions upon Israel. We've got to get the concept of who this pharaoh is. So what's to say that God is not fair here? We have to remember that God is working to save the Israelites from evil. We cannot remove ourselves from the fact that for over 400 years, there was oppression and there was death of generations of God's people to so quickly say that it's not right for God to harden an already hardened nation. It's not our place to say that with all that's already been going on. But even still, I can show you in the Bible many, many times, in Exodus 7 and 8, that the Bible says Pharaoh hardened his heart and also God hardened, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So what's going on here? I'll tell you this much. At any time, Pharaoh could have spared Egypt of all the plagues that God had brought if he had not hardened his own heart. And not only that, God had been giving Pharaoh warnings of things that were going to come. He told him, this is coming. But Pharaoh chose To bring judgment on himself and his nation by hardening his heart against God's commands. We have to recognize that Pharaoh and all of Egypt had brought these judgments upon themselves. With 400 years of slavery and the mass murder of Israel that now God is going to bring these judgments. Romans 6.23. Some of you may recognize this. The wages of sin is death. 400 years of oppressing God's people, if God had just totally obliterated Egypt right off the map, then that would have been just and right for God to do that as sinners. You know what? Same with this United States, same with me. If God had obliterated me and taken me out and thrown me into the condemnation, fires of hell, God would have been just and right to do that. And so God hardening Pharaoh's heart was not unjust and it wasn't wrong because in doing this, God was demonstrating mercy by not destroying Egypt for hundreds and hundreds of years of oppression and murder. Oppression and murder, hundreds of years. God could have just wiped them off the map, but he didn't. God totally destroying Egypt would have been a perfectly just penalty. But finally, let me let the Bible explain why God hardened Pharaoh's heart I want to show you in Romans 9 and 17 says for the scripture says to the Pharaoh for this very purpose I have raised you up that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth therefore he has mercy on whom he wills and whom he wills he hardens God does what he wants to he's God And we're not. Now again, we're right back to the same kind of question. I know this sounds like God isn't fair. We, as the created, have no place to put the creator in our courtroom and take God to trial to try to make Him fair in our viewpoint. God is sovereign, which means He has supreme, ultimate power. Basically, God does what He wants to do with everything that is His. There is no doctrine that is more despised than the truth that God is absolutely sovereign. God orders everything. He controls everything and rules over everything. Our carnal mind, which is hostile against God, does not like biblical teaching that says nothing comes to pass except according to God's will. We want to fight that. Most of all, many people hate the idea that salvation is entirely God's work alone. We like to believe we have some kind of part in it. Like I did something for part of my salvation. That's not the case. If God hardens whoever He wants to and has compassion on whoever He wants to, then according to John 6.65, as Jesus said, He says, therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. You can't come to Jesus unless Father God wills for you to do so. Did you know that God would be just if right now He threw all of us into hell for eternity for the sins that we've committed against Him? But He hasn't. Why? Because He's merciful. He's waiting for you to respond to the call. come to Jesus Christ. In the case of God saying that he would harden Pharaoh's heart to put the coming plagues upon Egypt, that is an act of mercy. You see, just like us deserving to be condemned for our sin, Egypt and Pharaoh deserved immediate condemnation also. God could have just wiped Egypt off the map, but instead he gave Egypt warning after warning after warning after warning through Moses. So is it right for us to say that God is unfair for hardening Pharaoh's heart? No. It was merciful for God to put Egypt through all the coming plagues. It was merciful because God was giving people a chance to repent and be saved. Well, Ray, all this stuff I'm going through, it's God's mercy to wake you up, to come to be saved in Jesus Christ. He's still waiting. I know this is tough theology to swallow. And what I want to ask you to do is before you come to me after the service to argue with me on this, (laughs) before you email me a hundred times tonight before midnight, I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to first jot down tonight to read Romans 9. Jot that in your notes. Roman nine, Romans 9, before you ask me, that will clear a lot of this up. I don't have time to go into Romans 9, but that'll clear a lot of it. All I can say is this. If you can sense that God is drawing you to his son, Jesus, I strongly urge you to respond to his draw because God may be wanting you to be saved in Jesus tonight. And although your life might be hard, although everything's fallen apart, you're still under his mercy for the very fact that you are even still here right now. Bottom line is this. God uses people to fulfill various parts of his plan. And here in this snapshot of time in Exodus 4, God raised up this particular Pharaoh for this occasion so that in his rebellion against God, he might be an instrument used for God's glory. Whether you are with God or against him, God is going to use you for his glory. It's best to just submit to God's will rather than rebel. And so God wanted Moses to tell Pharaoh, Israel is my son. Israel is my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Now, since since Pharaoh's heart would remain calloused and hard, it was necessary to compel him by the plagues here the death of the firstborn that we will get into. Egyptians prized their first sons above the others. It's something special. And so Israel is God's son and therefore is extra special to God. Hosea 11 verse one says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Exodus 4 and 24. And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, surely you are a husband of blood to me. So he let him go. Then he said, you are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. What? (laughs) The Lord sought to kill Moses. But what Zipporah did, it says in verse 26, so he let him go. Zipporah did something so that God would let him go. Like I said, the story of the circumcision of Moses' son, it seems strange, but back in his years in Midian, where he had been walking around for the last 40 years, Moses had neglected to obey God's command to circumcise his sons. He did not do this. And so God was about to kill Moses. And so Zipporah reluctantly circumcised her son with a flint, And then God healed Moses for this. It says he let him go. Zipporah casting the foreskin at Moses' feet. It was possibly a symbolic act of substitution where obedience was seen as replacing disobedience on Moses' part. Zipporah called Moses a husband of blood. The meaning of this isn't quite known, but some say it is used in a derogatory way. To suggest that she did not favor this practice that she just did, but yet she did it to save her husband's life. And Exodus 4 and 27. And the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him on the mountain of God and kissed him. So Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the things which he had commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of, all, of the people. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. What a good time. 400 years and suddenly God sees us. Now he's going to do something. We saw the signs and we believe. Moses went through quite a journey here. God had to purge a lot of disobedience and a lot of doubt out of him. Get somebody else. I can't do it. I can't talk well. I can't do that. And also the circumcision problem. It was, God was going to kill him. Moses would not do it. Zipporah had to step up and take care of that. And then God let him go. So see, Moses went through a big journey. Well, now all of Israel's is about to go through a big journey here real quick. Moses and Aaron met where he had seen the burning bush. And he told Aaron about their mission. And then to authenticate that he really had been sent by God, Moses performed those miracles that God told him to do. And they believed he was truly commissioned by God to lead them out of Egypt. And the people believed that Moses was sent by God and they worshipped him. You know, if you are walking in your sins, if you have not let the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, have your life, if you would rather walk in your own way than walk in his ways, You need to be delivered out of your own Egypt. You are still walking in condemnation, oppression, abuse, hurt, pain, and things that you can't get out from under unless God says, I have sent a deliverer to pull you out. And this picture that we're seeing here in Exodus, Moses goes to take the people of Israel out of Egypt, a deliverer sent. We had a great deliverer sent to us. And his name is Jesus Christ. We have been under the oppression of sin, of Satan, and he has owned us. He has afflicted us, and he has hurt us. And God sent a deliverer to call us, to get us out. And here's what I have to say when I close. Are you going to let that deliverer take you out of your bondage?
0: Thanks for listening today. And please join me every day, Monday through Friday, unless our Lord Jesus returns for us this week, this program is listener-supported and depends on tax-deductible donations to stay on the air. Give to WatchTherefore and contact me through our website at watchtherefore.tv. You can also send tax-deductible donations to WatchTherefore, P.O. Box 564, Pearland, Texas, 77588. Again, by the web, watchtherefore.tv and mail, watchtherefore, P.O. Box 564, Pearland, Texas, 77588. You can also call me right now at 713 624 0943. That's 713 624 0943. Keep watching for Messiah Jesus.
2: This is John Peake with Israeli Self Defense and Fitness. We are the new breed of martial arts and fitness designed to give you the understanding and skills to defend yourself and your family against an attack or threat by an armed or unarmed attacker or multiple attackers. We're an international organization led by former Israeli soldiers with a curriculum that is simple and effective. You owe it to yourself, family, and loved ones to be able to defend against any assault should the need arise. We are followers of Jesus Christ, led by His Holy Spirit, to provide a safe and functional training environment to develop life-saving skills and increase your physical fitness beyond what you may think is possible. We offer group, private, and corporate training Call today and mention KKHT to get a 10% discount on your membership. Remember, you owe it to yourself and loved ones not to be a victim. Visit us on the web at IsraeliSelfDefense.net or call 713-53-TRAIN. That's 713-538-7246 to get started today.